So this is Dan Milner with Blurb, I'm Blurb's photographer at large, and I am in North London with uh, photographer Alan Jenkins, who we just did a, uh, a little photo session with, and uh, I'm in Alan's studio, which is a, frankly, a dream, a dreamy place. It is the kind of place that every photographer wishes they have, and I've uh, gotten a little exposure today, no pun intended, to Alan's, uh, his process and where he works and how he works and his prints. And I, I got him here. I've got him a captured animal here, a captured audience. And I just wanted to ask him a couple of questions. But first, um, Alan, just give us a little background about how you ended up being a photographer in the first place. Hi, Dan. Uh, I started off as a fine art um, painter. I went to art college and studied drawing and painting and life drawing. And then I moved on to university where one of my modules was photography. And what I found really fascinating were the alternative printing techniques, like the vintage printing techniques of photography, such as the turn of the century Victorian techniques, um, cyanotype, salt prints, all the contact processes that were non-silver printing. Uh, combine that with all the chemistry and the alchemy, and then I sort of like immediately got um, drawn into photography as an art form. And you are, it, it takes about 10 seconds of walking in the studio to really understand how how much of a tactile photographer, you are a tactile photographer living in a, in a digital world, how much a part of the experience for you is the actual physicality of what it is you make? I've always had the thought process that a beautiful print is a beautiful object. So when I hold a print in my hand that I've made um, on watercolor paper, hand-printed, hand-toned, hand-pressed, hand-spotted, that print becomes an object. And it's not only about the photography, but it's about the actual object. And when I present that in a gallery, the way it's framed, the way it's presented, becomes much more unique and collectible than if it's an inkjet or a digital print. I first uh, I first heard of you and first saw your work in a in a blur book that you had done about Cuba, and then subsequently I met you in January of this year here in London, and you showed me the journal side of your of your life. Being a journal keeper myself, I was amazed not only at the size but the the, the depth and and the focus that you put into these journals. So tell us how those journals came about. The journals, um, in my mind. I suppose I like sketchbooks and notebooks. And initially it was a way of keeping track of each photo shoot and each story. And I would make annotations and notes and ideas. And I would try to just basically keep some kind of order in the way that I would shoot. So it had a chronological order. It had a theme order. It had a little bit of a style order. And I would divide it into chapters. And this was unconscious way of making books before I even thought about making a book or before I even had heard about Blurb. And uh, speaking of Blurb, one of the books that you showed me earlier was your Cuba book, but you had you had customized it to some degree by adding things to it and then selling it as, as a fine art object. Can you tell me a little, little bit more about that, what you included in, and how that works for you? Oh, uh, that was a way of presenting my... Um, Cuban series in a very concise book that was almost like emulating the original notebooks, the original sketchbooks, but I wanted to add an original piece of art into the blurb book, so I attached on the front page a limited edition print. So now 
when I sell my artwork to clients and to art collectors, I give them the option to buy one of the books that I publish with Blurb with an original limited edition print. And how is that, how's that working for you? What's the, what's the acceptance and the response to those books? It's been very successful so far because people are always impressed by the quality of the Blurb book, but then when they see an original print, they feel like it's a bit more special, a bit more unique, kind of adds like another level. And the other thing I noticed when I walked in here was the range of, of cameras sitting around. And there's a lot of people who are into vintage cameras today, but you've got quite an assortment here, and they're not decoration. You're actually using these things. Is there, what are the primary cameras that you use that are these, these antique, uh, larger format cameras? Initially started with um, medium format, 6x6 six six negatives. And I was using a contact process, so I was making miniature prints, 6x6 six six contact print, mount it, frame it, and sell them as, uh, in art galleries as like uh, miniature prints. But I soon realized that obviously the market required 5x4 contact printing, 10x8. I even had an occasion where I shot on a Linhof camera, a Lotus View 2420, so the negatives were 24 by 20 size. Um, so I could make larger prints in the process that is a contact printing technique. Um, so all the cameras I have here have all been used and are constantly in, in use in my fine art work. And you're also living, like a lot of photographers, you live somewhat of a double life because you just showed me some pretty fantastic commercial work. And uh, how does that work? What percentage of what you do on a daily basis is commercial versus, versus personal? I'd say the, the routine that's developed, or not even maybe it's a lack of routine, but what it is is like a structure where I'll get two or three jobs, um, big jobs every year, like maybe advertising jobs or big commissions. In between that, I'll be doing small jobs. So on the weekends, I'll be doing like private commissions, portraits, uh, a couple of events. Um, and then in between that, I'll be doing creative commercial work, which will be for photo libraries and book covers. And then in between that, I'll be doing my personal projects. So that would involve writing about things, researching, uh, at the moment, I'm working on collecting objects, uh, antique objects and photographing objects, uh, such as keys and harmonicas, which we discussed. Um, and also, I'm very fascinated with the chemistry of uh, hand-coloring silver prints, which is something I want to develop. So to put it politely, you're, you live the life that is a complete and total creative mess, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's common, you know, today when you talk to photographers about that balance of doing commercial shoots and, and personal. But what's interesting is that a lot of times when people get commercially successful, the the oddly enough, the personal work drops away because they folk, they think, well, you know, this is the opportunity to make as much money as I possibly can. But what's interesting about what you're doing is it looks like you've really attained a balance because you're pulling out drawer after drawer after drawer of negatives and it's not like you're pulling out drawer after drawer of digital files these are prints that you have to take time with and that you have to process and things are done by hand and yet you're still doing it so there's a there's a prolific level of creation that's coming from you and that's that's rare i think do you, is that has it always been the case or is it built up over time it kind of gathered momentum because it started off as um some passion of mine was like oh i love this type of format this type of camera this type of film this type of negative this type of paper and then gradually it was just like an obsession, shooting every day, shooting every week, building up collections, building up series. And one thing that I'd like to 
mention about that is that sometimes the commercial work does overlap with the creative uh, fine art project because um, l three years ago I showed my Cuban series to an advertising agency and they commissioned me to go and photograph Jose Corbo tequila in Mexico for a distillery. So it came about for the artwork. That's not fair to be able to send to Mexico and photograph tequila. That's, um, I'm holding that against you from here on out. <laughs> so one of the last questions I have for you is if you were not doing this, you were not a photographer, you were not an artist, do you have any idea what you would be doing with your life? I think I'd be living on an island and uh, painting or something, or just living in, in, the, in nature. Yeah, that sounds pretty good about now. And finally, who are some of the people that influenced you to, in becoming what you are today? Uh, I'd say from an early age, painters. You know, I was brought up in Spain, so I was very influenced by surrealism and Salvador Dali in my early stages. I love Picasso. I love all the Spanish artists and, of course, some of the traditional painters from Europe, like... Um, some of the French, oh, sorry, some of the Dutch painters, Dutch masters, Vermeer, about the lights and the chiaroscuro effect. And then, of course, much later when I discovered photography, I started researching photographers and I found that there was just so many people like Blumenfeld, Man Ray, Sarah Moon, um, people that just were creating things that were fascinating to me and inspired me so much that I was inspired by all sorts of photography, fashion, art, commercial, it was all visual inspiration and my teacher, last thing to say, my teacher at university was a great inspiration as well. Excellent, well I just want to say thank you for, uh, for letting me come over here on very short notice and uh, put my camera in your face, or I should say multiple cameras in your face and I appreciate you taking the time to give us a little insight to your, uh, your background and your career. Absolute pleasure, thank you very much.